Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. It is another beautiful Saturday in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm looking out over very beautiful, mostly clear skies with a few wispy clouds. Absolute perfect day to get in the water. It's going to be a hot one. I took a look ahead and the 15-day forecast is dang near 100 degrees every day. So uh, if you like the water, it's a good time to get into that. As far as uh, Vitality Radio goes, if you're a first-time listener, we are a show that has been brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, 107 South, 500 West, for almost nine years now. And the purpose of the show is to bring you an alternative viewpoint on health and nutrition, try to help you figure out ways to avoid drugs and surgeries, and improve your health and achieve your optimum vitality. That's what Vitality Radio is all about. I'm very excited today. I have a superstar on the show uh, today, someone who's uh, done some great interviews. I've already heard him on many other podcasts. He's uh, very in demand. Dr. Zach Bush will join us today to talk about gut health, but not just gut health, because in my opinion, and I think he'll back me up on this, it starts in the gut, but it ends kind of everywhere else. What happens down there in your intestinal tract plays a huge role in everything from your obvious gastrointestinal issues to your brain, your emotions, and pretty much everything in between. So we're going to talk about gut health uh, today, and it's going to be a great interview. I don't normally take an interview as long as I'm doing with Dr. Bush, but honestly, he uh, could probably fill two or three shows with the amount of knowledge that he has to share with us. So we're going to condense it into about uh, 35 minutes worth of information, but we're going to get that going right after I do today's morning rant. Before we get into that, I want to give you just a couple of announcements. Vitality Radio is best contacted on Vitality, or sorry, on our Facebook page, facebook.com, Vitality, I can't talk today, facebook.com slash Vitality Radio is how you find us there. If you type in Vitality Radio on Facebook, you'll find it there as well. We are really excited right now. As I mentioned before, Vitality Radio is brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, Utah at 107 South, 500 West. You can call us there if you have any questions. Anytime after 10 a.m. today, we'll be there until 7, and I'll be there most of the day after I get done here at the radio studio. And uh, really excited to talk to you when you come in. Anybody that listens to the show, I get a kick out of talking to you and getting your opinion on the show and what I can do better and what I'm doing okay and that kind of thing. So please come by and see us. But this store is such a part of my life. You know, I've owned it for about 23 years now and uh, bought it from my parents who started it. I started working there when I was seven. We are going to celebrate our 40th anniversary the end of July. The last week of July is the big anniversary sale. And if you want to get on our mailing list so that we can get you in the loop on what we're doing, we're doing some really cool things, both educational as well as um, uh, tons of sampling, demo stuff, uh, some really, really great pricing going on. So check us out for that. 
And if you want to get on our mailing list, uh, email your information to info at vitalitynutrition.net. That's info at vitalitynutrition.net. And we'll get you on the mailing list and get you included in our emails. Uh, We do some really nice newsletters on a monthly basis as well as uh, some other educational things. Keep you up to date on what's going on on the radio show as well. So that's it. Again, if you want to call us, 801-292-6662 is the number. We're open at 10 o'clock today. But now I have a very condensed rant because I want to get to Dr. Bush as quickly as I can. But a rant, nonetheless, it is time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Yes, it is time. More news. I love it when these news articles just pop up and uh, give me something to talk about. Uh, this one, I uh, was able to get some information from uh, Holly, who works with me at Vitality. She sent me a little thing that popped up on KSL.com about a new report that proton pump inhibitors, that is the uh, drugs that most people are using for uh, acid reflux or GERD, that those little drugs are maybe not as safe for the long-term use as we have been led to believe. Now, I've talked about this a little bit before, but uh, what's interesting is, as with a lot of these drugs, the information just kind of keeps on coming, just sort of streams in. Once they find a few holes in what they've been telling us about these drugs, more and more comes up the more they study them. And here is the new, uh, the latest and greatest, I guess. This is according to... CNN in London, uh, prescription strength proton pump inhibitors are associated with a potential 25% increased risk of early death from any cause. A 25% increased risk of early death, that doesn't sound good. Now, I know when you're dealing with reflux, which uh, when I was younger and dumber about uh, how I took care of myself, I created quite a nasty case of reflux for myself, which I then later... uh, got fixed by uh, proper nutrition and and getting myself in better health. But that reflux thing is painful, and it feels like you're going to die sometimes. So I understand the the desire to jump on these drugs. But did you know that they were originally designed only to be used for a maximum of six to eight weeks? I've talked to people that have been on them for 15, 20 years now, these uh, proton pump inhibitors. Now, proton pump inhibitors basically turn off – supposedly selectively different uh, pumps that pump out acid into the stomach, which I guess sounds good if you think you're dealing with acid reflux, but without understanding what's really happening there, uh, what we're really doing is just creating a Band-Aid that is covering up a much larger problem, which usually is associated with too little stomach acid as opposed to too much. And there was early concern back in the 80s when these things were starting to be produced that maybe there was a problem with... uh, potential risk for infection or lack of ability to absorb certain nutrients or things like that. And the latest news coming out up up until this new one that says we have a 25% increased risk of early death was the concern for bone fractures, particularly hip fractures, 
uh, if you'd been on these drugs for more than just one year, not 10, 15, 20 like some people are, but a 44% increase in risk of bone fracture if you'd been on them for more than one year. Now they're saying long-term use increases the risk of early death from any cause by 25%. There's all kinds of interesting stuff here, and I don't have a lot of time to go into it again because, like I said, we've got a great guest on that I want to get to. But what I want to really accomplish here is is to talk to you about you know what we're being told versus what's actually happening with some of these things. First off, if you have acid reflux or GERD, uh, regardless of whether or not you're on uh, antacids or proton pump inhibitors or uh, any other drug for that cause, you oftentimes are led to believe that as long as your GERD symptoms have gone away, you're in good shape. But the longer that we're on these drugs, the worse things become. And it's interesting because I was reading from a medical website uh, – it's uh, some organization that is all about GERD, and they were talking about basically minimizing the concerns with these drugs. Uh, odds are that their funding is coming from the drug companies themselves. But uh, really interesting because what they said was that uh, it probably has been wishful thinking that the long-term effect of PPIs was perfectly safe. Like most medications, there are side effects and complications. Fortunately, the overall risk of long-term PPI use still still seems to be relatively small. Now, that relative risk just jumped a little bit when we find out that death from all causes is increased by 25% if you're on these drugs. So what they say is, well, if you have other risk factors, uh, you need to get a bone density test. Uh, You may simply need to take exercise and more uh, calcium supplements, or one of the many excellent medicines for osteoporosis. Now, that one kind of blew my mind. There are no excellent medicines for osteoporosis, in my opinion. These medicines have shown to create things that are quite interestingly connected to the people who are trying to get rid of GERD in the first place. So let me make sure I'm clear on this. They're saying maybe you should just take an osteoporosis drug if you need to be on a PPI because... You know, that might solve the problem. Now, we joke and laugh a lot, I think, about one drug leading to another drug. I see cartoons on this all the time. But it's really not a laughing matter, is it, right? We go from one drug that creates some side effects but also some benefit, and then we create we go to another drug to create additional side effects and more benefit. Well, the drugs that they're recommending here on this particular website, some of the most common side effects of Osteoporosis drugs are ulcers of the esophagus and upper GI irritation, as well as irregular heartburn. Sounds like a vicious cycle to me. So if you have GERD, if you're dealing with acid reflux, you need to educate yourself and you need to listen, of course, to this next interview I'm going to do because we're going to talk about gut health from the very beginning of gut health all the way out throughout the rest of the body. But please educate yourself. There are options aside from these drugs. There are things that you can do to actually heal and strengthen your digestive system. And we're going to talk about one of those things today on Vitality Radio. Okay, so that's the rant for today. Be cautious. You're not supposed to be on these drugs for more than six to eight weeks. If you've been on one for a long time, if you want to talk to somebody that can educate you a little bit on it, you certainly can call us at Vitality 801 292 6662. And if you do deal with gut health issues or really 
just about any health issue. My next guest is going to kind of blow your mind with some of the information he's going to share. We're going to cut to a quick break. When we come back, we have Dr. Zach Bush. He is going to be on Vitality Radio, and I'm so excited to have him. So stay tuned. We'll be on in just another couple minutes. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. All righty. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I am your host each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. It is a beautiful, albeit hot, Saturday in Salt Lake City, Utah. You may be listening to me uh, online somewhere else. You may be far away from Salt Lake or Bountiful where Vitality Nutrition is. If you are and you need help from us, give us a call anyway, 801-292-6662. We have this amazing uh, network of uh, providers that send stuff all over the place, and we're happy to take care of you via phone, email, or uh, even a text message. We can do whatever uh, to take care of your needs at Vitality Nutrition, 107 South, 500 West in Bountiful. Our 40th anniversary in business. That's uh, no small feat for a small, independent mom-and-pop store, so we're really excited about it, proud of it, and thank you, uh, our loyal uh, listeners and customers, for uh, making that a possibility. We sure appreciate you. Give us a call if you have questions, 801 292 6662. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash vitality radio. And again, if you want to get on our mailing list, shoot us an email info at vitalitynutrition.net. We don't give your information to anybody but us and we don't abuse it. We send out one or two things a month max. So if you want to give us a call uh, or an email, uh, we would love to add you to the list. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest today. His name is Dr. Zach Bush, and uh, he is an MD. He's one of the few triple board certified physicians in this country with expertise in internal medicine, endocrinology and metabolism, and hospice care. The breakthrough science that Dr. Bush and his colleagues have delivered offer profound new insights into human health and longevity. In 2012, he discovered a family of carbon-based redox molecules made by bacteria that his team has subsequently demonstrated has uh, that this cellular communication network functions as an antidote to glyphosate, 
which we'll talk about what that is in a minute, as well as many other dietary, chemical, and pharmaceutical toxins that disrupt our body's natural defense system. There is so much else that Dr. Bush is doing to really push forward uh, the same message that I do here on Vitality Radio, that big farming, big pharma, and Western medicine has some real issues, and we need to make some radical change. Dr. Bush, thank you for joining me on Vitality Radio. Jared, pleasure to be on. Now I can hear you. That's much better. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about in a short period of time. I want to ask you a couple of questions right out of the gate. First off, in the intro that I gave for you, you mentioned something called glyphosate. Can you quickly talk about that and some of these other pharmaceutical toxins that are messing with our body systems? Absolutely. Glyphosate is a compound that we started adding to our food chain uh, unintentionally initially in 1976 uh, with the advent of the uh, primary carrying agent for this chemical, and that's Roundup. It's a weed killer that's famous uh, worldwide, and uh, everybody listening, I'm sure, has... uh, if not recently bought some, has bought some in the past for their home use or other agriculture uses or whatever. This weed killer uh, has a primary constituent of this chemical glyphosate, which is uh, seemingly relatively benign in its makeup, and that's what the chemical companies have been telling us. And it's built on an amino acid, which is glycine, which is a, one of the critical building blocks of human health. Uh, but they take that and they modify that amino acid with a phosphate group and an amine, which is you know a phosphate and another carbon uh, moiety on the end of that. And with that chemical, you end up with a a toxin that blocks enzyme function. And the primary target of that enzyme disruption is in the plant life and in the bacteria. And so this thing was actually uh, initially and subsequently patented not as a weed killer, but as an antibiotic. Uh, But we started using it as a weed killer uh, in farming in 1976 with the advent of Roundup to farmers and then in the 1980s, it went really broad with direct-to-consumer marketing uh, for residential use. And that's when we started really seeing an introduction into our water system. Uh, the glyphosate is a little bit of a frightening chemical because it's uh, water-soluble. And most of the toxins that are made in nature are fat-soluble toxins, which will be sucked away from the environment by mycelium of the mushrooms or by our bodies, uh, our fat cells pulling it out of our bloodstream. But in this case, we have a water-soluble uh, molecule that is a potent toxin and it shows up just about everywhere because it's very difficult to clear from that water environment of the ecosystem around us or the water environment of our bodies itself. So then it obviously is pretty scary stuff. One thing that we have to understand about it, too, of course, is that it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere now. How prevalent is it in our food supply and water supply? It's become pretty stunning. It's now really the number one chemical used worldwide. We're at over 2 billion kilograms used annually into the soils of the earth, and that is a terrifying number. Uh, Just off the top, it's very hard to wrap our minds around the use of anything at 2 billion kilograms a year. Uh, That number has been doubling every six years for the last 25, and so on our current track, we'll be using 4 billion kilograms, uh, which is uh, 9 nine billion pounds so you just like unbelievable amount of these chemicals are building up in the system and that system go ahead ahead. sorry and so with that uh being a water soluble toxin we see that crossing into many different areas of the environment and so currently some 75 percent of rainfall in the southern united states 
uh, is contaminated with glyphosate. Seventy-five uh, percent of the air samples taken in the southern United States is contaminated with glyphosate. So it's in the air we breathe. It's in the rain that falls on our crops. Uh, and so it's just really become a ubiquitous problem. Absolutely. And why is it a problem? What is it doing inside the human body, in your opinion? Yeah, so uh, what we've been showing in our laboratories over the last five years, and this is the work of Dr. John Gilday, he's just a brilliant uh, scientist. He's a geneticist and uh, has over 25 years of experience in a broad number of basic science applications in cell biology and microbiology. And he's been working in our labs for the last five years to kind of tease out what, what are these mechanisms by which this chemical is harming human systems. And the reason why that is so uh, important is because the uh, chemical companies keep submitting information to the Environmental Protection Agency and other regulatory bodies saying that this is safe because it only disrupts these enzymes in plants and bacteria. Well, the, uh, the direct effects on the human system are look to be, again, enzymatic in that we're losing enzyme function in the gut lining that is protecting us uh, from a number of insults to the membrane of our intestinal lining that protects us from the outside world. This uh, specific structure that's damaged is called the tight junction. This is really like the Velcro that holds together all of the membranes of your body, the largest of which is your gut membrane. These Velcro-like proteins keep the membrane intact so that you have an intelligent barrier system from outside world to the inside world in the case of the gut or from your lymphatic system and your immune system lying in the gut to your bloodstream, from the bloodstream to the liver cells, from the liver cells into the vascular system that feeds all of the capillaries and blood vessels through the body from those blood vessels to the blood-brain barrier, protecting your brain from whatever's in the blood. All of these different membranes that I'm speaking to are all held together by the same Velcro-like protein, the tight junction. And we've shown that that is directly damaged by this glyphosate compound. And so as we continue to increase the amount of this chemical that's in our food, water, and rain, we're getting increasingly permeable to the outside world. We're having a very difficult time keeping the outside world out of our bodies. And this is a huge dilemma for our immune system. All right. And so I've spoken about leaky gut on Vitality Radio before. Is this the same thing? Yeah, leaky gut's become a catchphrase for intestinal permeability, but it is certainly far beyond that in that, like you mentioned in your introduction, uh, gut health is really the beginning of all other health systems. And so uh, once the Velcro starts to go damaged in the gut lining, uh, we can see that same thing echo throughout the whole system. Okay, and so th- clearly it's a, it's a significant problem, and the biggest challenge that I see is that we're talking about this uh, glyphosate being something that is ubiquitous. It's not going away anytime soon. There's major money on the side of uh, the producers of this stuff and, and uh, lots of lobbying efforts and everything else to keep it legal, to use it even more than it's already being used and so on. So what can we do if we can't avoid this stuff? Uh, or Well, first off, let's ask about this just really quickly. Can we avoid some of the glyphosate, and if so, how? Yeah, there's some really simple steps that can be taken in your household to really reduce your exposure in a lot of ways, and uh, one of them is grow your own food, and I really believe that that's becoming increasingly important. If you're in southern climates and and, um, you've got a lot of rainfall and things like that, Ultimately, you may want to be looking into you know, growing in a greenhouse and using filtered water systems for, for watering your plants and everything else uh, because uh, of the reality of it kind of being everywhere. Uh, but if you start growing your own food 
you're going to have a massive reduction in, in glyphosate use as long as you're not using Roundup on your crop. So, uh, you know, if you can have a chemical-free organic garden in your backyard, I think that is your most powerful tool to really reversing this kind of uh, exposure effect uh, that we're seeing in the environment now. Step number two, of course, is simpler, uh, which is just buy organic. And if the rainfall is contaminated, the airfall, air is contaminated, then we're certainly going to have glyphosate in just about every bite of food we have these days, but it will be far less if it was organically grown. Uh, the best case scenario is probably find you know local farmers to work with, you know, CSA or something like this, who are really responsibly growing organic foods, uh, even if they're not certified organic. Uh, you know they're not using chemicals and they're really working hard to create a, a healthy product. You know that's a really powerful way to change the industry. Uh, you mentioned that there's a lot of money behind making sure that this chemical farming continues, but really the consumer has all the power here. We yes. we created the chemical farming industry by outsourcing our food production. In 1945, we were growing 45% of our food chain in our victory gardens in the backyard. And so that's just two generations back where we could say, look, we, we can grow our food. This is not an issue. But we got lazy and we went for convenience lifestyles after World War II. And the 1950s and 60s saw the debut of television, which, of course, destroyed a lot of productivity in the home. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, we now fast forward 40 years and, and the 1990s hit and suddenly you've got you know, Al Gore inventing the internet, and uh, then all hell breaks loose as far as productivity. And so we we <laughs> replaced what used to be an evening of gardening and weeding and kind of you know harvesting our crop and preparing a wonderful dinner with our family. That was the reality in 1945. Now we've got a situation where. We're all picking up food from someplace else. Most of us aren't even cooking our own food anymore, let alone growing our own food anymore. So it's really so far separated. And so we've been part of creating the Monsantos and these chemical farming industries. And so it's easy to be a whistleblower. It's easy to kind of yell and shout like, you know, these evil uh, big chemical farm. But in reality, we created all this, which in the end is very good news because we can dismantle it just as fast as we created it. And so really by taking back control of some of your food, and it doesn't mean you have to grow all your food, but if you would just start growing a basil plant and a couple tomato plants, that's making strides towards a shift. You throw in a a cucumber plant and and a couple squash plants on top of that, and suddenly you've got yourself a pretty bountiful crop coming in in the summer, and you're shifting that uh, economy really dramatically. And the chemical farming industry knows that just the organic industry is threatening their existence. If 16% of all of the food bought in the United States was bought organic, we would undermine the the productivity and uh, financial incentive for chemical farming. So we really don't have to push very hard. And certainly we're seeing this huge increase in organic uh, food consumption in our country over the last 10 years. And it's really promising that if we just push harder, if we as consumers say we are only going to eat organic food, and more importantly, perhaps we're going to demand from Congress that they finally pass some labeling laws that are at least equivalent to Europe and all the other developed countries in the world that say we should know what we're eating. We need to know if these are genetically modified Roundup Red crops and foods that we're eating. And if they are, and we know it, we're going to change the industry by the decisions we make by voting with our pocketbook at the grocery store every day. And so demand from your congressperson that we finally pass some some rational labeling laws for the food that we're putting into our children. And let's finally start to retake some of this growing of our own food. Yeah, excellent, excellent information. And definitely, uh, 
something that I've been pushing for the last nine years on Vitality Radio, so thank you very much for that. Now, if you are local here in Salt Lake City or in, uh, nearby, every Saturday during the summer, all the way up through, I think, uh, early October, if I remember correctly, a block from where I sit right here at the uh, Vivint Arena is the Salt Lake City Farmer's Market, and it's great. There's CSAs there. Uh, there are um, a lot of organic farmers there doing some really fantastic stuff. There's people selling fermented food. There's some really, really good things happening right down the street uh, on Saturday morning. So absolutely uh, go by there if you're looking for a source for local, good, clean food for your family to eat. Uh, so that's definitely one excellent way to do it. Okay, so then it, that being said, like you said, we're needing to make strides. And one of the big strides would be growing our own food, buying organic, things like that. But you also mentioned that this stuff's in the water supply. It's in the food supply. We're not going to completely avoid it. Packaging doesn't tell us what's what. So there are, there are still things happening. First off, how big of a problem do you think it is? How many people in this country do you think are actually dealing with this leaky gut or membrane issue that you're discussing with us? Well, I think 100% of us are affected in some way or not. Uh, you know, so all of us are being exposed, and 100% of the biology is going to respond uh, with a state of injury there. The issue is, though, that there will be a, a percentage of us that can keep up with that rate of injury, and our immune systems can manage that rate of injury and continue to respond on a daily basis to kind of keep us relatively healthy. But I think we're seeing across the board that we are not keeping up as a population at all. And so we have seen autism, for example, go from 1 in 5,000 children to 1 in 44 children. Let me repeat that. One in 5,000 kids in 1975 affected by autism, which is a blatantly obvious condition. This is not something we were missing in 1975. These are kids that are not developing the ability to talk, can't look at their parents in the eye. They are overwhelmed emotionally. They are a wreck. And so it's not like we were failing to diagnose this condition in 1975. It is not subtle. And so then you fast forward to, to the current day, and we have one in 40, one in 44 kids affected with autism now. It's a, just a staggering effect. And the massive acceleration that we've seen in that, of course, is since 1996, when we went to the genetically modified Roundup Ready crops, which is when we could suddenly spray all of our own food with the glyphosate or the Roundup. Before that, you could only spray weeds. You didn't want to kill your crop. But in 1996, widespread usage started, and by you know, 2002, 2005, we were seeing the vast majority of corn, soybean, and even wheat being sprayed with uh, these compounds. And so it's just you know, a dramatic increase. If we keep on that rate with our children, we will see one in three children with autism by 2035. And so we are less than 20 years away from a complete collapse of our children's health. To give you a perspective on the rest of that, that's just speaking of autism. Uh, in 1960s, the general, the total population in the United States was carrying a rate of chronic disease of all types, everything from chronic kidney disease, hypertension, you name it. Chronic disease in 1960s was around 4% of the population. Currently, we are seeing our children with 46% of them carrying a diagnosis of a chronic disease. 46% of our children currently with some form of chronic disease. You look now at the adult population, we've had this linear increase going on for decades now of cancer. Males in the United States are now hitting one in two. More than 49% are now 
diagnosed with a cancer before they die, and that is not even counting counting skin cancer. These are solid organ or blood-borne bone marrow cancers. And so with one in two males going down with cancer, and then we look across, you know, we haven't even scratched any other diseases out there. Of course, there's cardiovascular disease, which is the long-time number one killer and everything else. And so we've got this massive, massive increase in disease that would suggest that while there may be individuals that can keep up with the level of environmental damage that we're doing to our bodies, I'd say the vast majority of us are not. And despite our efforts to do all kinds of things, you know, I think many of your listeners, just by the nature of them listening to your show, are self-selecting uh, a population of people who are very proactive. They're looking for healthy supplements. They're looking for ways to eat healthy. They're looking to exercise. Or you're probably capturing the top five percent uh, of health in this in your listeners. But I guarantee that the vast majority of you are experiencing some form of this. Uh, Jared early on was talking about just gastrointestinal reflux and things like this. You know. These are not maybe seen as devastating diseases, but in fact, they are the symptoms of a system that's starting to go beyond its ability to daily repair. And so those are really, um, you know, big red signals that, oh my gosh, we've got a problem going in the population and we need to get at the root cause of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So then the question is, uh, first off, it sounds like to me you're saying that even if we are relatively healthy, we're feeling fairly symptom-free, we're not dealing with a chronic disease, it may be this sort of ticking time bomb thing where eventually it's going to catch up to us. You said half of men in this country are being diagnosed with cancer. Now it's unbelievable. So then what is our best defense outside of doing our own thing with food? What else are you recommending? you got to get back in touch with the microbiome. So it turns out that the bacteria, the fungi, all these wonderful organisms that are in a garden or in your environment around you in a healthy uh, ecosystem are the beginning of health. And this is really where, in 2012, we made a pretty big discovery. We discovered that these, these bacteria and fungi and all these other species are actually making these molecules that have these carbon backbones, but they have an oxygen-hydrogen bonding potential that puts them in a category of this redox signaling, reduction in oxidation signaling. You could picture this as a liquid circuit board in your body. So you've got this huge wired communication system throughout the body that's carrying electrical signal. And so you've got this system of wiring of your neurons and your neurologic system. You've got your hormone system. These are big systems of, of macro communication. But down at the micro, micro level, it's really these redox signaling systems that are the, the fabric of communication. You could actually see that the redox system is kind of the wireless communication and your big neurologic and hormonal systems more of kind of your macro wired systems. And so when we're talking about cellular health, there's nothing more important than communication. If a cell has unfettered access to information, it's never going to dysfunction. It can always repair. It can always has this inherent capacity to repair and replace. But if it starts to lose communication and starts to lack information, it doesn't recognize that injury is accumulating and you start to get market disorder. Well, it's so fascinating that we've found now that the vast majority of this communication system is not even made by your human cells. So even though the endpoint may be dysfunction in the human system, it is really the, your, your macro ecosystem of the bacteria, the fungi, and your involvement in that ecosystem that puts into play this communication network that helps with this infinite capacity that your body should have, which is help, heal, repair, heal, repair. That's what you should be doing every single day. And if you're starting to lag behind, 
behind, chances are you've become detached from that big micro environment, micro ecosystem, the bacteria and fungi of your uh, macro environment. So you discovered this back in 2012, and uh, you've been recommending now. I mean, th- this was developed into a product called Restore. Is that correct? Yeah, Restore is the first product in the market that carried these active uh, redox state molecules from bacteria and fungi. So how does it work when you actually take Restore? Does it, uh, w- what's the process inside the body? Yeah, so we've shown a lot of stuff over the last five years. It's been an exciting run because it keeps redefining our understanding of cell biology and biochemistry and even genomics at this point. So. Um, to, to give you a, a quick snapshot of what we know about this is that um, to begin with, uh, I should back up for just a minute to make a little more sense of the relationship to glyphosate and antibiotics and all this stuff in our environment because we mentioned this direct effect of, of Roundup on the Velcro system, but the secondary or the indirect effect that I think is probably ultimately perhaps more important is that it functions as an antibiotic and destroys bacteria in the soils and ultimately if we're eating life today is going to destroy bacteria in our gut. And so one of our primary problems as a, as a population is that we are becoming increasingly vulnerable at the tight junction Velcro system, increasingly vulnerable at the immune system level because we're lacking the bacteria, because we're killing them not only with our antibiotics that we're prescribing as physicians, but because of the amount of antibiotics that are in the food chain. And so glyphosate is the number one antibiotic on the planet. As far as I'm concerned, there's no other antibiotic that comes close to that level of usage. But then a huge second massive amount of antibiotic that we, our body sees is through our meat production industry. Yeah. Some, you know, fourfold amount of antibiotic ever used uh, in humans is used in the production of pork and poultry and beef. And so we've got this huge usage of antibiotics going on in these animals that ultimately are going to consolidate those uh, pharmaceutical byproducts in their meat and fat, and we're going to consume those as uh, a food consumer. And so we are just consuming antibiotics on every single front in our vegetables and fruits and uh, through glyphosate and Roundup and then even higher concentrations in our meat production because the meat production is, A, getting given antibiotics for their rapid weight gain and issues like this, but they're also getting a huge amount of antibiotic glyphosate in their food chain because we're feeding an enormous amount of genetically modified soybean and corn and other uh, GMO products to these livestock. And so they see a huge concentration, and again, water-soluble is going to end up in a lot of their meat. So we've got this huge uh, vulnerability, and what we're seeing with Restore is that this is a sterile product. This is not a probiotic. It is the first not, you know, non-bacteria compound, non-probiotic to enter into this gut health space. And it's a fascinating thing to see what happens when you take a communication network and put it back into the bacterial biome and the human system. And what we see first happen is a real bulking of the stools. And so you see this real uh, increase in the volume of the stools that you're passing in the first couple of weeks of using this communication network because you're starting to, the gut itself, the microbiome, before we even start talking about the human system, the microbiome is responding by this realization of, wow, we have a huge imbalance and we are deficient in number. And so they start expanding rapidly. Uh, we've got a clinical trial that will be published shortly that's showing these shifts in the microbiome that happen. And again, it's sterile. It's not adding back 
bacteria. It's simply putting back the communication network, and you immediately see the shift of beneficial bacteria coming back into the system. And that is back, be, beneficial bacteria then check the growth of the unwanted weeds that are going to be there. And so there's a lot of weed-like organisms that come into a garden. When, when you've clear-cut the garden, the weeds are the first to crop up. Same with a gut. If you clear-cut with antibiotics in the food chain, antibiotics from your doctor, everything else, suddenly you've got this raw, un, un, uh, unhealthy soil that needs to be addressed. And the weeds will crop up there to help try to recover some of that. And so the yeast uh, compounds like candida and other things, there's pseudomonas, bacteria, Klebsiella, a lot of these bacteria are kind of the weeds, E. coli. These guys jump up into this kind of naked soil environment of a stripped antibiotic-exposed gut, and they're going to be the first to show up. And I don't think they're in, in, you know, there to be damaging. I think they're trying to recover a system. And then once you give back the communication network, it brings in bacteria from outside your body in a really robust fashion. So every breath you take, every fermented food you eat, all of these things start to have the opportunity to set up shop among the weeds and start to really create a balanced ecosystem again. Okay, and so what you're talking about basically is, of course, the name of the, of the product you've developed is Restore, so it's a perfect name, but restoring the uh, bacteria in the system, but not through bacteria, which is different than what you know everybody's been trying to do with probiotics and things over the years. Um, how is it that that bacteria, I want you to go into a little bit more detail about the breath and things like that. How is it that, that bacteria is being restored even though you're not actually introducing new bacteria into the gut? Yeah, it's fascinating. So uh, w- one of my first patients that I put on uh, this dietary supplement, she was having sterile uh, bowel movements. We call these white shock stools. She had seen so much chemotherapy and antibiotics that she had no biologic life left in her gut. And so all that was passing was these little pieces of uh, white chalk, really. It looks like white chalk, but it's the epithelial lining or the sloughing of the gut lining that happens naturally every three days. Uh, that was all that was passing in her stool. There was none of the natural compost or the bowel movements and all this. She had been unable to eat for uh, a few months. She, she was uh, passing away with pancreatic cancer at the time. And so when she went on the supplement, she started having brown bowel movements within just a few days. And she wasn't even eating anything. So it took us quite a while to figure out, how is that even possible? Here's a sterile compound coming in, and it rebuilds the, uh, uh, the garden, if you will, of these this vast array of bacteria. And the answer kind of came a couple weeks into watching this happen. I was in her home uh, speaking with her and watching uh, the recovery of her bowel function and all this. And I was pondering it totally confused myself uh, as to how this had happened. And suddenly her little dog jumped up on my lap and the lights went on. I suddenly realized that even though she was pretty much bed bound in, in a home, this little dog was, you know, tearing outside, running around the garden, coming back in and bringing bacteria to her uh, by licking her face, running all over her and everything else. And so she was actually being given back the bacteria from outside of her body by her environment, namely her pet in this case. And so it was this extraordinary thing of like, wow, if you give back the compost and this communication network of Restore, suddenly there's an opportunity for bacteria to start to enter the system without even eating. And so it was a beautiful realization of, wow, the skin and the breath that we take from around us, that dog breathing in her face was introducing all kinds of new biome to her. And it was the opportunity to grab those species and give them a place and a safe haven uh, to set up shop in her gut that recovered that gut biome so quickly in her case. So when I tell people to stop with the antibacterial soaps and all this kind of stuff and uh, quit killing all these 
yeah, little microbes out there. I'm uh, I'm preaching the same thing you're preaching. It sounds like it's exactly right. We got to stop seeing all the bacteria as our enemy, and we got to start really living life. If you're going to wash your hands, you know, a, a biodegradable soap and water is more than enough. So, uh, no reason to go after these intense, you know, alcohol-based uh, antimicrobials that are killing 99.997% of bacteria. That's just not necessary. It's just not what we're going for here. We need balance. We need the eco-balance, and the eco-balanced body is going to be teeming with bacteria. A healthy body is thought to have somewhere around one and a half quadrillion bacteria on it. That, that number is impossibly huge, uh, but but that's you know at least ten times as many uh, cells as are human in our body. So we have somewhere around fifty to one hundred trillion human cells. You multiply that by ten or twenty, and you start to get uh, the number of bacteria. So you are outnumbered ten to one, twenty to one by the bacteria. Uh, that are living in and on your body if you're healthy. What we see again and again is the more sterile we make you by putting you in a hospital, antibiotics, chemotherapy, you know, whatever we're using to kill the ecosystem around you, the sicker you get, the more vulnerable you get, the more distraught your immune system is. So the more sterile we make you, the sicker you get and the worse your outcome. And so we really got to start welcoming back the microbiome and get that back involved in our lives. And that is as simple as walking out your back door. Uh, you get outside, take off your shoes, touch the grass. When was the last time you felt grass between your toes? I hope it was today, but for most Americans, that is a rare event. So take off your shoes, get your skin in touch with the soil again, and let this ecosystem enter back into your lifestyle. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you for that. Okay, so then let me ask you this. In terms of people, well, first off, what is Restore? We haven't even discussed what it is uh, exactly besides the, 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 the carbon aspect, but what is the product uh, and how is it used? It's a liquid supplement, and we're extracting it from uh, the environment. So we've got 50 million-year-old soil that is our source. We had to go old with the soil because if you go to topsoil today, we're really lacking much in the way of balanced ecosystem in that soil. And so uh, we had to go old. And so a fossil layer of soil out in the southwest United States uh, offered the perfect target for us. And so this is uh, soil that dates back 50 to 60 million years ago. Topsoil levels at that time were 10 20 times deeper than we see today. So these rich ecosystems that were so rich in nutrients that they grew plants that were, you know, ferns the size of houses and all kinds of ridiculous stuff back in the days of the dinosaurs, we saw this massive ecosystem that just doesn't exist on the planet anymore. So we're going back in that fossil record to pull out the diversity of these carbon molecules because every species of fungi and bacteria seems to make a different subset of these little communication uh, vocabulary. And so we're going back to a vocabulary of intelligence in the ecosystem that simply does not exist on Earth anymore. So it's a really kind of goosebumpy moment when the first time I watch somebody take a sip of this supplement to think this body, and in fact, this species has never been given the opportunity to delve into this level of communication before with Mother Earth. And so it's a very kind of extraordinary opportunity. Um, and I, I went on the product first. I was, you know, this was when we were still making bottles in our clinic and everything else. And, you know, it was an amazing experience just having this in my own body, but I've been on it for almost, 
you know, five and a half years now, and I miss it every time I don't have it around, and my body knows uh, the experience of having this level of communication and what comes out of it, and it just becomes this really joyful thing of knowing that my body is healing so much better than it was five years. I can respond to injury, whether that's because I overexercise this weekend, uh, doing the weekend warrior kind of effect, or uh, I ate something that uh, was less healthy than I was hoping it was going to be, or disagree with me, or had uh, something I wasn't expecting in there, my body can respond to those unexpected exposures so much more rapidly because I have this huge communication network at my disposal. And so when you're taking this, it's really a constant, you know, refueling of this information highway uh, for your body. The exciting thing is this supplement doesn't actually do anything directly. And that makes it so, on one level, incredibly safe. It is one of the safest compounds ever seen in the laboratory, Um, safer than water and cell culture. It's just really an amazing compound. But on the other side, it's much safer to take uh, consistently because if you look at something as benign seeming as vitamin D or vitamin C or these compounds that we've been taking as supplements for years, those are receptor-based compounds where they are going into the system, they're bonding receptors. Vitamin D is a very potent steroid hormone. And so we don't think of it as a hormone, we don't think of it as a steroid, but we think of it as a vitamin, we call it a vitamin. But in reality, that thing is bonding all these receptors at all the cells in your body and it's forcing these genomic pathways. And so vitamin D in itself you can overdose on. You can take too much of that and you can get your body unbalanced through that process. So that's the risk of doing you know, a constant and, and daily dose of a receptor-based kind of compound that's intending to do one target. Whereas with a communication network, you, you intend no targets. You're just giving back the, the wireless signal so that all the cells can go about activating whatever they see necessary in the day. So it's really the, one of the first supplements on the market to really stop trying to micromanage this incredibly complex system of 70 trillion cells of humans communicating with one and a half quadrillion bacteria and this even more diverse fungal environment around you. It's taking the micromanagement out of the system and giving the body back the trust that it knows what it needs to do and really empowering the body to go back to intrinsic health here. That's fantastic. And it sounds like it's something that everybody could benefit from. What are the what are the groups of people, however, that you're seeing the biggest benefit from? What types of uh, of you know conditions are people dealing with where this is benefiting them? Yeah, you're right. I don't think there's somebody on earth right now that doesn't benefit from more communication at the cell level. I think that everybody is deficient because of the damage we've done to the ecosystem. Um, but that said, you know, the more damaged your ecosystem is uh, at the bacterial level, the more uh, you're you're going to have to bear. And the interesting thing is, you know, you, you know, you can really relate this to the amount of antibiotic exposures you've had. Um, people who were born by C-section are going to be a lot more vulnerable to this deficiency of microbiome. Uh, you don't did not inherit your mom's vaginal uh, uh, microbiome through the birth canal if you were born by C-section. So that's a huge number one vulnerability. That's of course now almost affecting one in two children. Some 47 percent of births in this country in most cities are are born by C-section now. So uh, really devastating reality with that, but on day one of life, our children are deficient. And we are now ranking number one in the world in developed nations for day one death in in neonates. And so I think it has a lot to do with this relationship between a deficient microbiome and uh, our day one exposures to to the pharmaceutical world. We're giving, you know, vaccines on day one, which are pharmaceutical compounds. You know, it's so we're taking these deficient babies and exposing them to pharmaceutical environment instantaneously, and it's just really a frightening mix. And so, 
uh, if you were born by C-section or your child's born by C-section, and then uh, usually you'll start to see ear infections and other things kicking in by a year, year and a half into that process, and you start to get antibiotic exposures from your physicians at that point, and then, of course, every year there's more antibiotic in your food chain. So it, the more deficient you are, the more antibiotic you've seen in your food and in your uh, interactions with doctors, uh, the more vulnerable you are in, in regard to your microbiome. Interestingly, that population is the most sensitive to this information stream. Uh, we can see uh, people who are extremely vulnerable, things like, you know, uh, Lyme comes to, to mind. This is a population of people who have been exposed often to years and years of antibiotics trying to kill uh, the Lyme bacteria there. And that uh, Lyme parasite kind of effect that's in that spirochete uh, is, you know, probably just a symptom. It's another weed that's cropped up and we keep pounding it with antibiotics. And so those people, as little as a single drop of this stuff rather than the teaspoon a few times a day that's typically recommended can shift uh, the microbiome and shift the clinical experience. So um, really, really sensitive uh, to these tiny, tiny usages of, of the uh, compound with the supplement. Uh, in that most vulnerable population. But for the vast majority of us, uh, the usage is around a teaspoon a few times a day. And the more often you take it, the more it benefits because your body is turning over at such a rate that uh, there's always new vulnerability. So if you take a, uh, if you use the supplement in the morning, for example, by you know 12 o'clock at night or by 12 hours later, easier to say, you've already replaced 15 to 20 percent of the tight junctions and other targets that are, are uh, available for new communication. So uh, you've got new vulnerability that's been born uh, since the morning. So your body's turning over so frequently that if you're not constantly taking the opportunity to protect that with the information highway, uh, you're going to have some vulnerability. So we see real benefit to frequent use. The more vulnerable you are, uh, the more uh, deplete you are in microbiome, the less you need in so many ways, and then you just slowly build up over time. And how long does it take for most people to start to see a difference in how they're feeling and how their body's responding to this? Well, that is one of the most remarkable things. I've been using supplements in my uh, clinic for decades and uh, everything from probiotics on and on. It is very rare for you to find a supplement that actually you feel the next day or the ne within an hour or so of taking even your first use of it that you're like, whoa, that was a, was that, that can't be due to the supplement. It was too fast. But in reality, we just see that over and over and over again. If that Within minutes often, but within hours and days, we're seeing people shift their bowel function, we're shifting. Uh, their microbiome or shifting uh, a lot of their neurologic awareness. So just uh, mental clarity is one of the first uh, signs of, of response, and that can happen within minutes for a lot of people, uh, but often within days uh, to the larger population. So uh, really exciting to have a tool in, in the toolbox that people respond to so quickly and so broadly. And you, know, you would think, well, first things would be the gut. Well, no, not really. And really, we see these more distant targets of the brain and other places Responding to this information stream uh, super quick. So it's a, it's a profoundly interesting and exciting thing to experience that in your own body. Well, I have about 35 more questions, but we have about 60 seconds, so I'm going to have to have to wrap up. We may need to just schedule you for another show. Uh, Dr. Bush, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, much of what you've said I've been preaching all along, but, boy, you've shed a lot of light on some things that I had. I didn't know myself, so I sure appreciate uh, your education today for me and for my listeners. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to uh, follow what you're doing? 
Um, the science and everything else we're doing is on ZachBushMD.com, uh, and then you can find the product as well at uh, a lot of the health food stores around the country. Uh, you can also find it online at Restore the Number Four. Life.com, RestoreForLife.com. Excellent. And, of course, we do have it at Vitality. If you have more questions, you want some information, we've got some good literature there, too. You can catch us there. Dr. Bush, thank you for joining me on Vitality Radio. I so appreciate you having me. Okay, so that's going to be it for the show. We went all the way up to the end. Uh, there's, I'm sure you're going to have some questions. Please give us a call, 801-292-6662. If you do, we'd be more than happy to answer them for you. And uh, we are opening the doors right now over at Vitality, 107 South, 500 West. And I've got to go. Thank you so much for listening to me, Jared St. Clair, on Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.